Clap your hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus' name. Jesus' name. I don't know about you, but there are just moments when direction uh, should and only come uh, from the guy in charge. And there are many voices, uh, many helps, lots of government, uh, but what I just heard was a clear sound, and that's what we need to hear tonight. Amen. I believe that with all of my heart. Uh, I said this morning that, uh, let, let me just say it this way. I am a firm believer in revival, and I believe the definition that the pastor just gave us is the truest definition of revival. We, we do confuse evangelism or harvest with revival. Revival is that reviving. I'm not going to re-preach what he said. But when you get a church healthy or when, don't judge me harshly, you, you marry a young couple, and they've done it right, you marry them, nobody has to give them an instruction manual of what to do on the honeymoon night. There's just some things that God put as nature. When you and I are where we need to be with God and the season of harvest comes, nobody's going to have to have a program. You're not going to have to fix a revival. It will just by divine nature start taking place. Can't manufacture this. We try. The pastor was saying that I, I said audibly, no, no Ishmael's allowed in this. We don't need the work of the flesh to help us fix what God has promised us. If God's not big enough to give this church 500, we need to close the doors tonight. Look, if, how many's here tonight would you guesstimate? Three something. How many of you know one person, just one person, that needs the Holy Ghost? Can I see your hands? That's a 300 soul revival on one Sunday night. There's three. How many of you know two people without the Holy Ghost? There's six. How many of you know three people without the Holy Ghost? There's nine. How big you want to be? Don't, don't, don't overcomplicate it. That's how simple it is. When you bring one that needs him, I promise you, this leadership knows how to preach Jesus to unsaved people. Amen. Believe that with all of my heart here today. And I believe that, I believe it will become a byproduct of a healthy relationship. I traveled for quite some time and was, was one of those guys that could pray people through and was brought in to pray people through. And you don't believe this, and I, I wouldn't either if I was you, but I used to come in at those seasons and preach about 10 or 15 minutes and be done. Don't chuckle. And be done. Um, and I've watched God, I've watched God or I've watched people come to this altar and repent and get the Holy Ghost. And what frustrated me is when I'd come back the next week to do it again, they wouldn't be there. There's something wrong with that picture. I get that we can water and we can till and we can plant and only God gives the increase. But when they're supposedly repenting and getting the Holy Ghost, brother, when I got it, it was sticking to me. It won't let me go and I won't let it go. That's the way the Holy Ghost is designed to work. Tongues is the work of the Spirit. 
tongues is a work of the Spirit. A stammering lip and a new tongue is a work of the Spirit. You can't tell people how to talk in tongues. But if the atmosphere is right, and it's conducive to birthing, trust me, they'll talk in tongues. And they'll come back the next week. And I know the ratio of even Jesus' ministry. I know you're not going to keep everybody you pray through. I get that. It's all choice. I get that. I, I can argue both sides. But I'm just going to be as honest as I can here tonight. We are lacking in stickability. Because we put such a premium price on just somebody to get the Holy Ghost. Just give us a number. Let's tweak the number. I'm, I'm more interested in building the church. If you get what was preached here today and what will be preached here tonight, you'll win a soul this week. You'll leave here today saying, I have a mandate from God. I am divinely designed for a purpose. We, we got to get beyond this coming to church to feel good for ourselves. I love Sunday night Pentecostal church. Man, do I love it. But I can predict it. We're going to have a powerful prayer meeting on Sunday night before church only. Typical Pentecostals. Not Sunday morning. God cannot move in our prayer rooms on Sunday morning. He only moves before service on Sunday nights. Now, it was quoted by a lot of you, first generation Pentecostals. Close your ears just a minute. That, that's, that's our forte. We have powerful prayer before church on Sunday because we are expecting a good song that will break us out of our comfort zone and we'll do the little hokey pokey. And we'll shout a little bit. The preacher's going to preach a little bit. And we're going to have best church only on Sunday nights. Because that's what we do. But I find it hard to believe that God can't move on Sunday morning as well as he can move on Sunday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, Wednesday night. Well, that's the ranting and the ravings of a wild man. It's an honor to be here tonight. And I say that sincerely to the leadership on this platform. Uh, bishop and first uh, lady, all of these great men of God, your pastor and uh, their wives and children. I salute them in Jesus' name. Amen. What a tremendous church. That's for you. What a tremendous church. What tremendous people. Your kindness, uh, the rooms, the baskets, the food, the accommodation, all these things just speak so highly of you, your leadership, and how well you do things. It is an honor to have my wife. And my youngest, for all his life, he's been called little man. <clears throat> I don't know how little he is anymore. Amen. But uh, I, he came into this world, uh, came into this world with a fight. And the devil has done his best to continue that fight. But I would like to tell you, through it all, through it all, we've learned to trust in Jesus. We've learned to depend on his word. And I'm thankful for the miracle. Amen. I'm thankful for this miracle. I'm thankful for your miracle. That's what God does. He gives miracles to people. Amen. Amen. He has such a tremendous faith. Um, I, I have in the whole ordeal, I have witnessed him one time, not excluding church and moves of God. I've seen him one time break, weep. And ask God some tough questions. But uh, I admire uh, my son's faith. And I think that's okay. I admire his faith. I am proud of the faith that he has in his God. That makes me one proud father. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your prayers. Amen. Daniel 
Daniel chapter 1, I'm going to preach tonight as quickly as I can. Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 8. I would only be right to save the best uh, to last. It's an honor to have my wife with me and uh, has put up with me for almost 28 years. I told Brother Isaac and we church, we're doing a marriage seminar next week. And we're chuckling at each other because we don't know the first thing about marriage. We just, we just love each other. We kiss a lot. I chase her every day. She lets me catch her sometimes. This is really okay. And uh, she's still the love of my life. I think she's the classiest, most beautiful woman in the room tonight. I admire her. I admire her walk with God. Some mornings she beats me up, and whether she beats me up in the morning or I beat her up, not physically, but as far as time goes, just seeing who's listening to me, her day begins with her devotion and her Savior, and that impresses me. I'm glad I have a helpmeet who leans on the Lord. Amen. I mean that with all of my heart. Daniel chapter 1, all that out of the way. Daniel chapter 1. Eight. A powerful text, and there's so much that I could say uh, in this, but let me just read um, verse number 6. Daniel chapter 1, verse number 6. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Unto them the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belshazzar, under the name of Hananiah, Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach, and Azariah, uh, Bedigo. Verse 7 or verse 8, but Daniel... Purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, of the wine, and so he made a request. I want to um, navigate in the spirit tonight a very clear and precise uh, word. We need a clear vision in a confused moment. We need a clear vision in a confused moment. Father, we love you. Lift your hands and pray with me. We are thankful for your presence. Clap your hands and give the Lord praise while you're being seated in Jesus' name. In the year of 605 B.C., a young crown prince of Babylonian empire became the commander-in-chief of the armies of Babylon. In the spring of that year, he marched his armies through Egypt and Assyria, conquering everything and everyone that crossed his path. He continued marching those armies through Syria and Palestine, claiming victory after victory. Somewhere around 597 B.C., he moved into Judah, 
then Jerusalem. It was in that same year that this crown prince, now king of Babylon, accepted the total surrender of King Jehoiakim, the king of Judah and Jerusalem. This king would go on to reign over the most powerful empire in the world for the next 40 and 3 years. His name, Nebuchadnezzar. During his reign, Nebuchadnezzar helped to build the Tower of Babylon into its most formidable fortress city the world had ever known. Babylon was a rectangular shaped city rising impressively above the desert in the land that we now know as Iraq. The mighty Euphrates River flowed from the north to south right through the center of that impressive and beautiful city. It was surrounded by 50 miles of double walls. The inner wall was 21 foot thick and 300 foot tall. At the top was a temple devoted to one of their many notable gods, Murdoch. In the era of time, there was no city on earth as impressive nor spectacular as the city of Babylon. What I find tonight about Babylon is the ancient language Babylon means the gateway of the gods. Not gateway of God, but the gateway of the plurality of gods. Remember that statement. Babylon meant the gateway of the gods. That would certainly be impression one would have upon seeing this spectacular city. The city of Babylon looked like a gateway to the heaven. Yet in the Hebrew language, Babylon meant something entirely different. It meant confused or confusion. So what's one thing meant to the world, it meant something entirely different to the church. What the world called impressive, what the world called godly or a gateway. The church's vision of that was somewhat different. What they called the gateway of the gods, the church identified as a moment of confusion. I draw your attention to the book of Daniel, chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. And the king spake unto Athenes, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, of the king's seed, and of the princes. I need you to listen closely to me right now. He said in verse number 4, I want them to have no blemish, but I want them to be well favored. I want to be skillful in wisdom cunning in knowledge and understanding science. Such had the ability in them to stand in the king's palace, of whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed, verse number 5, them daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank. So nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. It was the custom of King Nebuchadnezzar to take the finest things of the lamb that he conquered and he would bring them into his palace. This included the finest of the children. The king's orders were to bring the finest of the royal children to his palace in Babylon. And the names of these four children, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, these four boys were of royal blood. They were the strongest, the healthiest, the best-looking young men in the kingdom of Judea. They were very wise and knowledgeable even for their years, somewhere between 10 and 20 years of age. Nebuchadnezzar's plan was to place them in a three-year training program. They would learn the customs and the language of the Chaldeans. They would live in the palace of the king. They would eat at the king's table. They would sit and learn from the king's counselors. 
they would have the, all the advantages that a prince would have. Captivity wasn't looking real tough for these guys. They might have had it good in Jerusalem, but now they would experience the finest things that life could give them. And it would all be at their fingertips. In this perfect paradise, in the middle of the desert they came, over the Euphrates River, through the beautiful blue Ishtar Gate, under the mighty walls of the fortress city, past the citadel and the hanging gardens of Babylon, into the magnificent palace of King Nebuchadnezzar himself, king of all the world. This was the gateway of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar had plans for these guys. Nebuchadnezzar said, I just need three years. Just give me three years. In three years of teaching them, of showing them the wonders of Babylon, of showing them how to worship the gods of this present world. Yet Daniel, sitting down to his very first meal in the king's palace, he made a decision that would define his outcome in life in Babylon. On the first day of class, the Bible says that David or Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. I won't eat what the king asked me to eat. I won't drink what he wants me to drink. I'm going to live according to something greater, something deeper, and something more powerful. Why, why would Daniel, why would Daniel buck the trend? Why would Daniel not go along with it? Number one, he was a Hebrew and he wasn't about to transfer his citizenship to a present world when he had the hope of a greater world. Daniel had been brought up in the city of Jerusalem. I find it interesting tonight to me that the name of Daniel's hometown, Jerusalem, means foundation or city of God. Daniel was now living in the gateway of God's, but he was raised in the city of God. He said, I cannot justify trading in the city of God for the gateways of God. I want to preach to this congregation tonight that God's always got a plan for his apostolic church. We are never confused. We are never, ever, ever dismayed. We were not built and designed to be defeated. But when God gave us hope, he gave us hope eternal. When God gave us help, he gave us help eternal. When God blessed me, he blessed me from the beginning all the way to the ending. I want to preach to this congregation tonight the plight of Pentecost. He said there is a spirit of confusion robbing us. But God has a vision for the church. If the church will see it. Clap your hands and give him praise tonight. Hallelujah. For most people, this would have been a most confusing time. Here he was in the most beautiful and powerful city in the world. Surrounded by the multiplicity of God's. Everything and everybody at his beck and call. Most people would give anything to live like Daniel lived. Three times a day, Daniel turned away from the gateway of the gods and turned toward the city of God and prayed to the one true God. Oh, I want to say it again. It didn't matter what Daniel was doing. Three times a day, he disengaged from the gateway of the gods and turned to the city of God and prayed to Israel's one true God. Oh, we're fixing to have church here tonight. 
Three times a day, Daniel reminded himself of who he was and where he'd come from. Three times a day, Daniel reminded himself, this is Babylon and Babylon's not my home. I was not built nor designed to live here. This is not my grand purpose. This is not God's only plan for my life. I want to tell you, Pentecostals, we've got to disengage from the spirit of this present world. We've become so comfortable in this present world. But this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I've got a mandate. I've got a purpose of life. It's not to make money. It's not to build homes. It's not to live comfortable. It's to go into the world and reach the lost. It's to be the mandate of God. It's to do what God says to when God says do it. Come on, congregation. We allow ourselves to disengage from the purpose of a kingdom not made with hands. We allow ourselves to disengage. We allow ourselves to become comfortable. And I pray for the spirit of Daniel to baptize us tonight. That we would purpose in our hearts. That tonight wouldn't be just about emotions. But it would be about the heart changing. That we would purpose in our hearts. Daily. Multi times during the day. I'm going to remind myself. This job is just means to an end. This car just gets me to one point to another. That home is just a place to live temporarily but I have a grand hope I have a higher calling I have a more purpose of life this is not all there is to me but doing the will of God when I was a child it seemed like every sermon or every other sermon was about the coming of Jesus. It seemed to be about missing hell and making heaven. Now it seems about blessings and favor. Got people that only come when they want to. I'm not just preaching about here. In general, people have been able to be convinced in this most confusing time. That coming to God's house is not really a mandate or mandatory. But it's simply a choice if we feel like it. And it works to my schedule. I don't know how you feel. But before I was a preacher, I believed this. Anytime the church doors are open, that's the call for me to come to church. I just go old school on you just a minute. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't, I won't, I refuse to. I negate everything about living in this present world. This world is not my home. I will not become comfortable in this world. I will not be overtaken by this world. God's got a heaven. God's got a city. God's got a purpose for my life. One of the most crucial times of my life, one of the most trying times of my life, about five or six years ago,
it seemed that hell had my number. It seemed that God had lifted the hedge and him and Lucifer had a bet going. And when I thought it was as bad as it could get, I remember sitting at my kitchen table and my two oldest boys sat down with me. And they said, Dad, what in the world is going on? And I looked at them and I said, I cannot tell you what God is doing in my life. I cannot tell you or give you answers to everything that's going on. But I will tell you this. When I was a little boy, I fell in love with heaven. When I was a little boy, I heard about a land of milk and honey. When I was a little boy, I heard about a happy land of promise. When I was a little boy, I heard about streets of gold and walls of jasper and a celestial sea. I heard about a throne and one that sits on that throne. And I made up my mind that nothing, 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 nothing. You better hear me, Pentecostal. You're letting things be more important. You're letting circumstances rob you. Nothing shall separate me. You got to hear me preach tonight. Tribulation won't do it. Heartache won't do it. Sickness won't do it. Despair won't do it. If you were standing, stand back. Don't, don't anybody stand that wasn't. This confuses me. You that are Holy Ghost filled, that say you want to go to heaven, for you not to be on your feet, you confuse me. Your man of God walked to this pulpit and said, that's where we're going. But before we get there, God needs to work on us. And your evangelist is preaching about heaven and telling you that nothing shall separate him. And you have an identity crisis. You have a dilemma. And you're going to sit there and wonder. I know I'm going to make a whole lot of you mad. But better mad now than damned then. Let me tell you something. I don't care what Babylon looks like. I don't care what his spirit tries to do. We're going to talk about it in a minute. It's irrelevant to me. The harder Babylon fights, the more grand my posture becomes. I'm telling you, we've got to go back to the apostle Paul's writing and scream as loud as we can tonight. Nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. You hear me? And I'm going to say this in faith. And I'm going to say this in humility. But when we meet with the tumor board on Wednesday, nothing shall separate me. Nothing shall separate me. Nothing. You better hear me. I don't have anything to lose in this whole world because it's not mine to start with. But I have everything to lose in that world because it all belongs to me. We must not be confused in this present world. I want God to give me Holy Ghost unction and anointing right now to rise to this occasion tonight and proclaim the 
this world must not be our home. We've got to get back to the mandate of the cross. You need a baptism of nothing. You need a revelation of nothing, 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 nothing. You better fall in love with heaven. You better fall in love with the cross. You better quit being confused in this present world. I have lived life long enough to to witness the most dangerous and the most glorious day of Pentecost. The most glorious being we are heralding the coming of Jesus like never before. You're listening to a preacher that does not believe anything has to happen for the rapture to take place. I believe before I finish this sermon, the rapture could take place. We could get out of this whole world. We could leave this world. We could be kissing the throne of heaven in the next 10 seconds. That's how I believe it. And because I believe it that way, I'm going to live that way. I don't much care what I make. I don't much care what I own. I don't much care where I go. I don't much care what I wear. However, I do care about what's going on here tonight. I do care about that lady and my four boys and my daughter. I care, I care, I care. Because heaven, 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 heaven is waiting. We're allowing, oh, help me, Holy Ghost. We're allowing Babylon into the church. We're trying to have church like they do in Babylon. We don't worship one. We worship many gods. I know. We don't worship the Lord God of Israel. We worship the God of money. Unless a whole lot of people gave online, there wasn't a whole lot of people that believe in missions. That's okay. You can get quiet. You've earned it. But I guarantee you're going to pay your Cox bill or your direct TV bill or your Verizon or your AT&T. But hook world missions. Gods need to be replaced with God. That's okay. You can be seated. You're not going to stop me tonight. We have replaced the singularity for a plurality. We've replaced the God of Israel with the gods of Babylon. 
And we are trying to figure out how to live a precise, clear vision in a very confused moment. We have couples struggling. Marriage is on the rock. Young people in love with worldly things. And we want to have business and church as usual. We want to act like there's no need for a clear vision or a clear sound. That's why I about run the aisles when the man of God walked up here tonight and said what he said about revival. That is about as clear as you can get it. Let me tell you somebody that wasn't confused, Daniel. Daniel wasn't confused. He was crystal clear about what he needed to do. He was crystal clear about what he was going to do. The pattern that Daniel lived by gave him a clear vision in a confused time. Our issue and our paradox is we are in a likewise confused moment. But we are not as clear in our vision as Daniel was. We have lost the purpose of our heart. I'm going to tell you something. I said it when they were born. I'll say it tonight. I'll say it till they throw dirt on my casket or the trump of God sounds. My sons are not going to hell. Look here. I can't mess with what's yours. I don't know your circumstances or why some of you is not here. But as for me and my house, I'll drag their carcass out of where I need to drag it out of. Call them and ask them. Dad doesn't play. Your hide's coming to church 14 or 24. Your hide will be in church. If you're not there, you're going to tell me why you're not there. You can't do that. Oh, yes, I can. Because Babylon's trying to confuse them. And the only salvation that is required is a clear vision. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. How about this, mom and daddy? Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. So much the more as you see that day approaching. Where are the Pentecostals? Why are they not coming to church? You can get quiet. I know. Because most of us seem to make it on a one service fix. You're not making it. You're existing. Brother Isaac, if I know the pattern, we like patterns. We like the death, burial, and resurrection. We contend you can't go to heaven without obeying the pattern. How about this pattern? Every day, you will gather under your house what is required to live. You will gather the manna and the quail. And you must not gather more than the day requires. How in the world? The most spiritual, formidable people in all the earth can live on one meal a week and think you can whip the devil. Blows my ever-loving mind. Oh, my. If you gather tonight what you think you're going to need tomorrow, it will rot before you eat it. Listen to me. We got good folk on the sound of my voice tonight. That hear or have heard or grew up on the most confused message. You can love God in your heart. You can just love God, but you don't have to be required 
to check in to a church. God is in the man's heart. You don't need a building. You don't need accountability. You don't need anything. That's confusing. Because it's not biblical, but it sounds good. It's not biblical, but I like it better. It's not biblical, but it fits my lifestyle more. But Daniel purposed in his heart. I'm going to church. Jerusalem. When everybody else wasn't, when it wasn't law or legal to do it, Daniel went to church. You want to make it? You're going to have to purpose some stuff in your heart. You're going to have to make up your mind. You must win a soul. You must teach a Bible study. You must be involved in the kingdom's business. You must love Jesus more than you love this present world. You must. You. Yeah. But I talk in tongues more than anybody. Who cares? I tear down principalities and powers. Who cares? Have you want a soul? Okay. Here's the nail biter. I contend... That if you're not winning souls, you are messing up the kingdom. See, we get this philosophy, we get this doctrine among us. Well, I'm not a soul winner. Well, I don't, I don't do that. Here's what I do. I pray. I give. I fast. Good. But do you win a soul? Well, that's not my ministry. You're right. It's not your ministry. It's your mandate. You can have a mandate in multiple ministries, but you can't have a ministry and not do the mandate. Huh? See, it's how confused we get. And then we come to church and try to tear down principalities and powers and pray people through. And the Holy Ghost is saying, there's a little confusion here. You don't know what you're doing right now. Why don't you know what you're doing right now? Why can't you be articulated to? Why can't you hear me? Why can't you obey me? Why can't you get this done? I'll tell you why. We're confused. And we ought not be confused. There needs to be a vision. There needs to be a clear vision. There needs to be a certain sound rise. We need a clear vision in this present world. Satan has come in and has blurred the lines of demarcation. He is trying to erase the separation between church and in this present world. For many, it's become a confused moment to live in. Is this right? Is this wrong? Can we do this? Can we not do that? Why can't we? How come we can't? When the truth of the matter is, you ought to be setting some things in your heart. Not looking to erase things from your heart. Oh God, it's, 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 help me tonight. We have to be clear about this one thing and this one thing only. Are we going to serve God? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We got to get clear about one thing and one thing only. Are you going to heaven? Thank you, sir. Are you going to heaven? Are you going to heaven? Are are y'all going to heaven? Are are you going to heaven? Are are you going? Let me tell you what it's going to take. 
It's going to take more jumping to your feet, clapping your hands and saying, I'm going to heaven. You're going to have to walk out of here tonight and purpose in your heart. I'm going to heaven on Monday. I'm going to heaven on Tuesday. I'm going to heaven on Wednesday. And when you walk into your jobs tomorrow, you've got to walk in saying, I'm taking you to heaven with me. I'm taking you. When we get our heart right, we're going to reach for the world. When our heart gets right, we're going to do the business of the king. I want you to listen just a minute. Just a minute. I'm I'm trying to hurry. Here's the issue with Babylon. And I I pray that you receive this tonight. Bring certain of the children of Israel the king's seed, princes, no blemish, well-favored, skillful in wisdom, cunning in knowledge, understanding in science. You don't appoint them daily to present the king's meat, wine, which they drink for three years. You will change their names. You will then make them eunuchs. Hear me, Pentecostals. If you get confused in this present world and you live the lie or you believe the lie in Babylon because it looks better, because their buildings are nicer, because their services are quieter, because they have more money, because they mandate and require less, hear me what they do. Their first issue, they deal with the strong. They got to kill the strong. They got to weaken the strength. They got to get the prayer warriors. They got to get the ones that believe in the eternal God. They got to get the ones that believe that holiness is not an option. It's a mandate. They got to weed out the strong ones. Have you ever seen strong saints so bored and battle weary? Have you ever seen strong people fall like they are today? We are in a crisis of Babylon trying to weaken our strengths. If you are baptized, you must be baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the strength of the church. There is not a multiplicity of co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent gods. There is only one eternal God. In Him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He was in the beginning. He is in this ever present now. He is in eternity. Hear me. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. All things were. That is the strength of Pentecost. Don't change our strength. We got folk right back over here that have an issue with the doctrine of the oneness of God. That's just too restrictive. It's just too harsh. My mama and my daddy weren't baptized that way. And they're dead and gone. And there's, I can't fix your mom and daddy's issues. But I can tell you what your issue is. If you've been baptized in the titles, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, you took a bath. You didn't get baptized. And I'm sick of Babylon walking into our churches trying to mess with our core strengths. Our strength is baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want every young man, every young man that's aspiring for the ministry, young man, 10, 12, 13, 15, whoever you are, run this platform, stand with me. 
If your hope is ministry, get up here. My God. We'll count you in. That's your strength. Don't let Babylon mess with your strength. Don't let Babylon interrupt them. Don't let Babylon touch them. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God. He's one. He's one. He. It's time for revival. It's time for reviving of the oneness of God. It's time for revival, repentance. strength. Whatever we do in word or deed, we're going to do it in the name of Jesus. We're going to baptize you in Jesus' name. We're going to pray repentance over you in Jesus' name. We're going to marry you in Jesus' name. Listen to me. Don't get caught up following anybody except that man. He submitted his life to the bishop. We all understand how it works. That's how it works. Don't you dare. Don't you dare start looking at Corinthians. And thinking that it's a little more easy to change the order of power by allowing things to happen that Paul and Peter and Jesus said must never happen because of the angels. There's an endowment of power that comes to Pentecostal people because of a divine order. Are you listening to me? Young ladies, you have a covering that was God-given. As strong as I believe in the oneness of God, I believe in the divine covering of hair. 
You ask for this. You ask for this. Stop messing with our strengths. The Bible says the long of it. It can be that long. As long as it's long. The truest biblical definition of long, left alone. Leave it alone and it's long. That covers the African Americans. That covers the Jamaicans. That covers the white chicks. That covers us all. You don't have to have long to be long. It just needs to be left alone. But Babylon wants to come along and start changing that. And the minute he starts changing our strengths, we are not equipped to set things in our heart. I feel a mandate all on me today. I'm, this morning and tonight, I feel like I feel a reviving. My God, what a word. You start getting this today, you're going to go into your job tomorrow, you're going to start looking around saying, mm, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up. You're going to start looking at your neighbors saying, you're mine. I'm going to get a Bible study with you. I'm going to win your soul to Jesus. Our outward man is a strength. What we espouse to is a strength. This is a strength. Doctrines are strengths. They are not weights. They are not restrictions. They are strengths. It is because we align ourselves according to those strengths that we have strength. You listen to me. So the first thing that Babylon wants to do is deal first with the strong. People that believe. That what we're talking about tonight matter. I tell people all the time. I've told my church for 19 years. I said, you know what I believe? Look at me. I am what I believe. She is exactly what I believe. You're not going to hear me preach one thing and doing something else. I am what I believe. The second thing. He says, change what they eat. Where do we get this philosophy that this is not enough? I love sports. I think you know by now. I'm a St. Louis Cardinal baseball fan. I'm forgiven. I just wish they'd stop winning so much and let another team in. Don't throw rocks at me. I'm a Cowboys football fan. I'm a Lakers slash Golden State fan. But I wonder. On Super Bowl Sunday, 
how many you'd have here tonight. I salute you. Because this is a good Super Bowl Sunday crowd. You'd be surprised how many places we don't preach on Super Bowl Sunday. Babylon's goal is to change your diet. Where you used to eat the word seven days a week, he says five's enough. Three's enough. Now he's got you convinced only Sunday when you show up is enough. It ain't enough. I will hide thy word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Could it be the problem there's so much sin in your individual life is you quit hiding the word? Change the diet. You used to sit on the edge of your pew waiting on the preacher. Now you've convinced yourself you endure the preaching. Change your diet. Don't preach hard. Don't preach doctrine. Don't preach holiness. Change the diet. Make church fun. Change the diet. Change the structure. Make it fun. Change the diet. It don't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You gotta have preaching. You gotta have foolish preaching. You gotta have dynamic apostolic foolish preaching. She's here so she can, she can correct me if I'm wrong. But when she was pregnant with my number three son, Dylan, pot roast used to be my favorite. I know you're standing. Hang on. Hang on to me. Pot roast used to be my favorite of all time foods. My wife, oh, my Lord, can cook a pot roast like nobody in the world can. I'm telling you, I love pot roast, but I love my honey's pot roast. Them potatoes and those carrots and that celery and all that goody, goody, goody stuff she puts in there. Shandai. There's a reason before I had a weight loss surgery, I weighed 380 some pounds because of my wife's pot roast. <laughs> Thank God for the lap band. That was funny. Come on. So she called me. I was at the office, and she called me. She says, what do you want for dinner? I said, oh, honey, I'd like some pot roast. And she said, all right, I'll make you pot roast. The smell of pot roast made her vomit. I mean, she could smell this food, and she'd get sick. But she loved me enough. She cooked me pot roast. And so it was one of those days, you know, everything in the world, people's problems, the coffee pot didn't work, something was bad. And so on my way home, no, I made a hospital visit on my way home. And so on my way to the hospital, on my way home, I passed Brahms. Now, if you don't know what Brahms is, it's a hamburger joint that has one of the best double cheeseburgers and a large fry and an orange sherbet freezing that will knock the top of your head off. And as I drove by, something compelled me to pull in. She said, yes, sir, can I help you? What would you like? I said, I, I'd like an orange sherbet freezy. She said, is that all? And I said, I'd hate to waste a trip. 
How about an order of fries? She said, I'll get you that. Yes, anything else. And I said, well, I mean, I've got a freezy and an order of fries. Double cheeseburger, please. And on my way from the hospital to the house, I gobbled down. I, I inhaled that cheeseburger and fries. And when I walked into the door, the aroma, and I said, Oh, my Lord, my, my, trouble has come to stay. And I said, I think I can trick her. I think I can trick her. I think I can do this. And so I walked in and said, oh, oh, honey, it smells so good. Oh, oh, I can't wait. Oh, I'm so hungry. Oh, she said, all right, all right, get out of the kitchen. Get out of the kitchen. I can't do this. Any dads that, you know, went through the child rearing, you know what I'm talking about? Pregnant wives, sick wives. And so I thought, I got to eat it. I mean, I just, I got, so I sat down and, boy, here she come. My sweet little thing, she brought me a big pile. Am I telling it right? Hey, Blondie, am I telling it right? She brought me a pile of potatoes, a pile of carrots, and a pile of meat, and I'm thinking, there's no way. There's just no way. Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. And I took the fork and I... I got one bite in. She said, and you know that... Men can't do it. We, we, we can't do it, but they can do it. And that body language says more than their tongues will ever say. But she looked at me, she said, what'd you eat? <laughs> me? <laughs> me? Oh, honey, this is good. Where did you eat? I said, I, I. The Holy Ghost tried to help me. He did, he tried. But I overrode him. I said, nowhere. I didn't eat. She said, Okay. Eat it then. <laughs> I will. Brahms, freezy fries and burger. I knew it. And she got up and left. I cannot help. But wonder how many times the Holy Ghost sets at the table on any given service after fixing what we needed and what we wanted only for you to sit down and say, Tonight, right now, some of you cannot wait to get out of here. You know why? You have no appetite for the apostolic voice in your world. You have lost the appetite of an altar. You have lost the appetite of a soul. You've... The third thing changed their identity. Get them confused about who they are. You're not a charismatic. 
You're not just any Pentecostal. You are an apostolic. You are Pentecostal by birth, apostolic by doctrine. You follow, adhere to, love, and obey the apostolic doctrine. You are a direct result of the Acts chapter 2 book of Acts experience. You are a direct descendant of Abraham. You are in covenant with Abraham's seed. You are blessed with. You may not know who you are. I know who I am. I, my father, is Abraham. I am in the lineage of Abraham. Number four, if you deal with their strengths, if you change their diets, if you get them confused on their identities, you will then be able to make eunuchs out of them and convince them that the purpose of reproduction is not necessary. Where is your hunger? I can preach you into a tizzy. I know all the Pentecostal cliches, but that's not what I'm interested in. I want to know when God gives you people in this altar how come you can never come pray with them? How come there's people here tonight that will go home lost and you won't even try to get to them to invite them to your altar? I'll tell you why. Because your strength has been robbed. You have changed your diet and you've lost your identity and you have been convinced that you are not required to reproduce. I'm a soul winner first. I'm a husband second. I'm a preacher third. Okay. I don't I don't I don't just preach things. And I'm not patting myself on the back. And the only reason I would say this is to prove my point. But there's a family of six right now that just got another family to come of four in the Fort Smith church. And in the last 60 days, I won to that church. I'll never get their tithes. I'll never worship with them. On rare occasion, I'll be in church with them. But that's not what's important. What's important is God put them in front of me and I reach for them. And I guarantee you, there ain't a one of you that's any more busy right now in your life than what my life is. But busyness is not an excuse You are required to reproduce. But we are convincing ourselves that as long as we can stand in the king's palace and look good and eat good and let our identity be robbed from us, that that is what we were made and designed for. Not if you purpose things in your heart. Not if you get this in your heart. 
Not if you make up your mind that revival is not his wish or my wish. It is our mandate. We do not have a choice right now in the season for this church. It is not a choice. It is a mandate. We must be revived. Marriages have got to get stronger. Our young people have got to get stronger. Our outreach has got to get stronger. Our equipment has got to get stronger. Our devotion has got to get stronger. Our Bible reading has got to increase. Somehow, some way, by the help of the Holy Ghost, we've got to understand the plight of a clear vision in this confused moment. We are not here to choose sides. We're not here to get busy and all these other things. We are here to do the business of the King. We are here to fulfill the wishes of our Father. Jesus looked at those men that he was going to empower and equip and leave the kingdom to. He said, Father, as you and I have become one, make us one. You know what that means? What you sent me to do, I'm now transferring it to them. What did Jesus come to do? How did Jesus come to do it? Why did Jesus come to do it? When did Jesus come to do it? Those are questions every apostolic should answer. Because it's the mandate you have upon your life. You are not here to show up on Sunday and look good in your suit. You're not here just to be a financial blessing to this church. You are better than that. You are more than that. You're not here just to be a number. You are here because you are the king's children. You are born of royalty. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people. Listen to me. This, this, this blew my mind. But there's a religion in the world today that's having more converts than any religion in the known world at any time since the history of the world. And it's the Muslim faith. Look at me. Five times a day they pray. I've done business with him. And he look at me and say, excuse me just a moment. And pull out his prayer cloth. And hit his knees and pray. They don't pray the same prayer. They have five distinct prayers. They pray five times a day. How come we can't get God's people to pray once a week? Because they believe in who they are. You can dislike them. You can say it's a damnable heresy. You can say it's false religion, and it is. Careful, preacher. You know, you're not supposed to talk like that. Well, you're probably right, but I do. But they love their gods. They love what they are. They are disciplined in their eating. And they reproduce. What would happen if the church believed that God 
was as great as Allah. What would happen if we identified ourselves as one God people like they do, Allah's people? I tell you, it start every day of your life. Look at me. Every day of your life, you grab your Bible and you get on your knees. And it doesn't matter if the Super Bowl's playing, your favorite show's on, or everybody's leaving you. You have a time in your life every day where you hit your knees and you remind yourself, my diet must remain what it is. My identity is in Christ Jesus. I am a son of God. I am a royal priesthood. I'm a royal and a holy nation. His blood flows through my veins. I have a mission and a mandate. I am called and chosen by God Almighty. I am not here by chance nor coincidence. Come on. I wonder what would happen if the whole church would stand right now and start praying with biblical authority. I wonder what would happen in this place tonight if we would purpose in our hearts when we leave this altar tonight. We are not leaving frivolously. We are not leave weak. But we're going to leave with the revelation of who we are. You better get your heart right. You better get your heart right. I'm calling an altar call to the church tonight. You better get your heart right. There needs to be a purging and a cleansing here tonight. You better get your heart right. You better purpose some things in your heart that it will not be movable nor shaking. It cannot be changed. It is forever written. It's engraved. It's etched in your heart. You cannot change these things. You cannot move the goalposts. Come on, married couples. Come on, moms and dads. Come on, young people. Purpose. My church attendance has got to increase. My faithfulness to the kingdom has got to... Come on, this altar is open. Everybody ought to be praying. Come on, visitor. Come on, backslider. Come on. Come on. Come on, backslider. You let things be more important. You let Babylon start preaching to you. You let Babylon change your diet. Come on, husbands. Get your wife close. Get your kids. Gather them. Get Babylon out of your house. Get Babylon out of your mind. Get Babylon out of your world. Come on, cry aloud. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Seek the Lord. God, our doctrines are important. 
what we are and who we are matters. We're not just anybody. We're not just any church. But oh God, we are your people. We are the sheep of your pasture. You are our chief shepherd. Oh God, thank you for an apostolic pulpit. Thank you for an apostolic church. I can't afford to change it. I can't change my diet now. I can't let my identity be robbed from me. I can't let them make eunuchs out of me. I've got to remain what I was born. Come on, that's it, church, pray. Couples, get together. Husbands, wives, get your children. Hey, new convert, you now belong to an apostolic church. There are commitments that will be expected of you. There are doctrines we expect you to embrace. You gotta love this with your whole heart. You gotta love it more than anything in this present world. Come on, congregation. Young people, you gotta fall in love with this. It's got to be more important to you than education and finances and money and future. That's it, husband. Let your wives hear you. Come on, husbands. Come on, husbands. Come on, husbands. Let your family hear you pray. Come on, mamas. Let your children hear you pray. Come on. Revive us, O oh Lord. Revive us, O oh Lord. Revive us, O oh Lord. If you will revive us, if you will restore us. That's it, husbands. That's it, wives. That's it, families. Oh God, get. Get the confusion out of my world. Oh God, get the confusion out of my home. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Get the confusion out of my marriage, God. I see my children struggling for their identity in the church. I hear what they question and it concerns me. Daddy, that's your job. You gotta erase that confusion. You gotta make sure they know there's a clear vision. We have purpose in our hearts. Come on, we got time. 
Daddies, you ought to whisper in their ears. I love you more than life itself. But I will not let you die and go to hell. I will not let you walk out of this church. I'll fight with you with every existence I have. It matters to me whether you love God or not. Come on, mamas. Put your hands on their children's head. Let them hear you travail. I have purposed in my heart. We're going to heaven together. We're going to heaven together. There's a revival coming. There's a reviving here. There's a reviving here. Oh, God. Pray them through. Let hell know. Let Babylon know. I may be captive in this present world, but I'm not a citizen of it. I may live here, but I'm not a citizen of it. I set my heart toward Jerusalem. I set my heart. That's it. Pray, Mom and Dad. Pray, Saint of God. Pray. 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 Young ladies, you better fall in love with this. Babylon will seduce you out of the church. Young ladies, you better fall in love with this. Babylon will seduce you out of the church. Young men, you better love this. Babylon will seduce you out of the church. Don't be seduced. Don't listen to it. Don't go there. Don't listen. No, 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 no. Don't you dare bow to it. Push away from the drinks. Push away from the fares of the table. That's not what Hebrew boys eat. That's not what Hebrew girls eat. What an altar call. Come on. Come on. This is what turns God's heart. This is the reviving that we're talking about. Daddies, mamas, they need to hear what you have to say about their life. Daddies and mamas, they need to know how serious you are about taking them to heaven with you. That's it. That's it. Set them on your lap. Tell them from the first day they born, you're a Hebrew. Our God is Jehovah. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. Him only we will serve. There's no God like our God. There's no God like our God. You hear me, young lady. You hear me, young man. You hear me, married couple. There's no God like our God.
That's it. Don't hurry. Don't you hurry. Don't you hurry. That's Babylon trying to confuse you that you got to hurry and get out of here right now. That's it, travail. Get on your face. Gather your family close. Do whatever you got to do, but they need to know how serious you are. You got to set the perimeters of your heart tonight. I'm going to be a soul winner. I'm going to be a Bible study teacher. I'm going to win the lost. I'm going to follow the will of God. I'm going to do what's right. Come on. Come on. Out of your mouth. Let it be heard out of your mouth. That's it. Come on, young people. What an hour you live in. What an hour of confusion. What an hour of calamity. But there's a safe place even in Babylon. It's in your heart. If you make it right in your heart, you'll survive Babylon. Come on, married couples. Get it in your heart. It's forever and always. It's I do until eternity.
Come on, there's some folk making some purpose. Get your heart right. Get your heart right. Get your heart right. Only way out of this confused moment is to get your heart set. There's just some things we're not doing. There's some places we're not going. This is who we are. This is what we are. And this is how we're going to die. Get your heart right. Get your heart right. One more time all across this building. Hands and voices lifted. Come on, one more time. One more time. I hear it, I hear it, I hear it. I hear clear vision in a confused moment. I hear people aligning their hearts and their homes. We're not going to be confused. We're not going to let Babylon's doctrine. We may live here, but we're not going to live of it. That's it, mama. That's it. That's it. Our children ought to know that sound. Your children ought to know that sound. <laughs> yes. 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 Come on, mom and daddy, it ain't over. It ain't over. They may have took a wrong turn, but life's not over. No, it's not over. Pray aloud. Lift up your voice tonight. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Let Babylon know they're confused, but there's a clear voice coming.
we're, we're not done praying. People are not done praying. But I just feel like this is one of those nights that we're not going to taint the atmosphere by turning it into fellowship and, and, and just talking and whatever. So whenever you're done, I'm asking you just to get your stuff and go. If you need to talk to somebody, if you want to talk to somebody, you're welcome to do that downstairs or outside. But I want us to, I want us to keep this atmosphere in this sanctuary here tonight. We're not, we're not gonna, we're not gonna turn it into anything else tonight. We're gonna leave with this atmosphere in this sanctuary tonight. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Seal your word in our hearts, God. Seal this word in our hearts, God, that it may produce all that it's intended, not just this night, God, but from this night forward. Not just this moment, God, but from this moment forward in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.